0: I don't know about you, but sometimes we have to understand the reason of why we're being asked what we're being asked, and then we can do it much better. I want to be honest with you today. Often, talking about the blessed life and talking about finances, it can be a little bit of a cat and mouse game in church. People... Uh, often thinking, well, why are the leaders asking that? What, what's that about? And, and actually, what we want to do is talk about the theology and the reasons behind resources. And so, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, finances. But I want you to stay with me and come on a journey. Don't think to yourself, oh, it's going to be about that again. I'm not going next Sunday morning. Actually, what we we're trying to do is do something cultural. Your relationship to your money is going to be a most important relationship that you have for a long time in your life. And if we can put building blocks and foundations in so that you can have a healthy relationship to that, we actually feel that we're serving you the most. So culturally, we are in a difficult place in our nation concerning how people deal with money. And we can be the salt and light knowing that we've found maturity in this area. Have you noticed our ribbon? Our logo is this ribbon on the bottom of the tree. And really for many of us what it means is that there are some eternal things or flowing things in God that work from the whole, from the beginning of the Bible into eternity. And just like the BCC logo has a ribbon, let me share with you one of the principles that flow through the whole of the Scriptures So that we can not just understand what is before us, but why something is being asked of us. I don't know whether you, have you ever been with somebody and you don't really get them at first? But when you spend time with them after a while, you go, ah, I see why they do that. I understand them a bit now. It's because you've unpacked them and you begin to understand that. It's a bit like that with this series of messages that I'm doing. It's a thoughtful and discerning insight as why God asks us what he does. And that's what I want you to consider today. I want to share with you today a principle that runs through the whole of the Scriptures that's really important. It's a principle about God, actually. It's called the principle of the first. First, first. If I said to you, is God really first in our lives? Many of you in this place would say, Yeah, he is. And and you really love him. And I, and that's true of us. But how many of you know this? When God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. How many of you can kind of say amen to me on that? That when God is first, it doesn't matter, your job, your ministry, your romance life, your your marriage, your parenting, everything comes into order. How many of you have, uh, can testify to that? Can I hear an amen? You know, the, the, everything kind of works. And conversely... Some of the problems that some of us have had today is because God isn't first in our lives and, and life's kind of got out of kilter and out of order. It's a bit like that when, you know, you know, when you're kind of out of sorts with your wife, not that it ever happens to me, dear, uh, you know, the, the kind of nothing's right, is it? When God is first in your life, I'm not saying you'll never have any problems, but you're going to have the mechanism to navigate and overcome. So I want to take you back to this idea of first. Now, who's a Bible scholar amongst, amongst you? In what chapter do the Israelites walk out of Egypt? Exodus chapter 12. Well done. Well, well said. Well said. And when is the law given? When does Moses come down from the mountain? Which chapter in Exodus, the Ten Commandments? It's Exodus chapter 20. Well done, well done, well said. Well said, you're such a biblical church. Could you please turn to Exodus chapter 13 with me? This is before the law is given. Now, I've put a handout on your on your. Uh, On your chairs, and when I say I, I mean the stewards. Thank you, stewards, for your ministry. And I've put a handout there. You can follow these scriptures. Actually, these handouts, I want you to take them home, read them again, because I am interested in doing a cultural move with you of bringing health in this area. Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb amongst the Israelites belongs to me, whether it's human or whether it's animal. Now, I'm going to teach you something today, why these old, obscure, seemingly old scriptures have something very relevant for us today. Go down with me to verses 12 and 13. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem or pay for, buy back, give an amount for. Redeem with a lamb. The lamb is the redeemer. Every firstborn donkey. If you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn amongst your sons. In other words, if you don't pay for it, If you don't allow it to be redeemed, you're going to lose it anyway. The language here is very strong, isn't it? Why why would God say everything that's first is his? He's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us something of how a healthy nature of things works. And I want to show you the nature of things today. You know, we all love first things, don't you? Do you remember that first dance at your wedding? Okay, some of you not, some of you maybe not. I'm moving away from that really quickly. Do you remember that first date? Do you remember that first kiss? Do you remember that first paycheck? Do you remember that first time? When you thought to yourself, wow, wow. That's really good. I want to teach you about the principle of the first. Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed, according to this scripture. Sacrificed or paid for. Because in sacrificing the firstborn, you are saying that nothing is before God. Nothing takes my heart before God in in my life. That nothing has a hold on me. By me saying, look, I've got this first lamb here, and I don't know how many other lambs it's going to produce, but I'm sacrificing that first because I want to say, God, this isn't before you. And the firstborn... Of unclean animals was redeemed. In redeeming your firstborn, you're saying you need God's help and touch on everything that is you. You're saying, you know what God, without your first touch, I can't depend on all what I can do. You see, God gives us an example. And isn't it strange, these old-fashioned laws. But listen, stay with me. Please concentrate and be with me. God gives an example of two types of animal and they represent two states. First of all, the lamb was a clean animal, according to God, that must be sacrificed to show that you trusted God for the rest. If you sacrifice the clean animal, then we trust God will will flow and, and provide with the rest that comes after that. The donkey was an unclean animal And this had to be paid for or redeemed or a price paid for it with a lamb to show you that you needed God's touch in all that you do and have. You've got this animal that's going to work a lot for you. It's going to be uh, priceless as far as your wealth is concerned, but it's unclean, it needs paying for. The firstborn clean had to be sacrificed. The firstborn unclean had to be redeemed or paid for. Now, how does this old-fashioned law come into our existence? Can I ask you something? Were you born clean or unclean? Now, we know that you're valuable. We know that you're precious. We know that you are a valuable person. I'm not saying anything about that. But were you born clean or unclean, according to theology? Anybody shout out? So, some of you are not convinced. Let me, let me help you with this. With your, who's a parent in the house? Do you have to teach your children to be good or bad? Do you, do you teach them to be bad? Or do they just do that naturally? Naturally. <laughs> Oh, I'm moving away from that quickly. You know, when you and I were born, we were unclean. And we needed somebody to pay for us. Do you realize what this represents? This is not just an old, footy duddy old-fashioned law. Jesus was God's firstborn. And he's clean. No wonder John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is the Redeemer. He's taking away all the sin and all the uncleanness from the world. We're unclean, and therefore the clean was sacrificed for the unclean. Jesus was born absolutely clean so that we could be redeemed by him who are unclean. Can somebody give the Lord praise for that? Indeed. You see, God sets up a principle, and he gives us This principle is, I'm going to show you what my nature is like, what salvation is like. He wants us to give our first portion of things to him because it positions your heart in the right relationship with him, but also with the rest. You're saying, nothing is more important than you, God. And so I've got the right relationship with the rest of what I've got. But it also makes the rest useful to God when you know that the first is given over to him. It's a faith step without the guarantee of what will happen with the rest when you give the first to him. When you say to him, I've got, I've been, I've got a lamb that is very productive for me but I'm giving it to you and then no matter what else that sheep produces, that I trust you that that will produce and this won't be the only lamb. You see, God is not asking you and me to do anything that he hasn't done. Just think of it this way. Jesus, it's like he's God's tithe. He hadn't got 10 sons in heaven waiting to come down in case Jesus failed. This was his only Begotten Son. Do you remember that phrase? This is his only Son that Jesus gave first his life whilst we were yet sinners. Romans 5 verse 8 says, while we were spitting at him, while we were persecuting him, while we were saying, we don't believe you, Jesus said, well, I'm going to offer myself first. I'm going to come, offer myself so that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the principle of the first isn't just God being legalistic. It's God saying, I gave you my first Because that's what I'm like. Will you be like me? You see, in everything that God asks us to do, he's not just pushing us around. He's trying to impart his nature to us, his character to us, so that we can be the best that we can be. Tithing and giving of our finances is not a legalistic thing. It's about putting God first. It's about our heart It's about the first portion of our lives redeeming the rest or putting us in right relationship with the rest. After the rest is there, it's redeemed. The first portion is the redemptive portion of what we give. Understand this of how God economies work. As you give to him, you're being like him. Let me explain it in a couple of other ways. Look at this. As well as the firstborn being offered, everybody look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. As well as the firstborn that's offered, the first fruits must be offered. And again, we see this principle is a heart positioning thing. It's it's about what the proper place of what we see our efforts are. That it's not that we produce wealth by our self-effort. That actually we say, God, everything I've got and everything I will get is from you. And so we see that the Lord has enabled us And when we put him first in our lives. Are you there with me in Proverbs chapter 3? Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I want you to notice something here. Notice the heart language. It's an honor thing. Honor the Lord with your crops. I want you to understand that Proverbs is written 100 years after the law. It's not particularly a law thing. In Exodus 23 verse 19 it says, Bring the best or the first of the first of your first fruits from the soil to the house of the Lord. Notice that it isn't that you get to choose where to take it. It's to the house of the Lord. And we have to get away from the idea that, that we just get to distribute what we give. That actually we bring something to the Lord. In fact, if you'll notice something about tithing, the Lord actually always says bring your tithes to the house of the Lord. He never says give. Because we can't really give what doesn't belong to us. Because that first portion is from from the Lord. We can only bring it really to the place where God wants it to be. So you can't actually give what doesn't belong to you. Now, I'm speaking really plain to you, but I want you to hear my heart that what I'm trying to do is teach you the nature of things so that you can have a relationship for the rest of your lives. And the nature of things is God is saying, be like me. I give my first, I give my best, I don't hold back. See the principle of the first is seen, have you noticed in the conquest of the land? If you look at Joshua chapter 6 verse 19, in the conquest of the land when Israel were about to come home to inherit prophecies and promises, the Lord says this to them in verse 19 of Joshua 6. Consecrate all the silver and gold to me. Now, he doesn't say, When you've conquered 10 cities, then you can give me some. What he actually says is, On that first conquest, I want everything. And Israel had to have the faith to say, Well, we won that battle, we got that booty and that treasure, we're just going to trust the Lord that we'll get the rest. And this is why it was a real problem when one man decided to take one thing. Because God is trying to teach them something about his nature. Give me the first. We have a choice of bringing the first to God. Now God isn't just exercising his ability to be stronger than you and push you around. He's trying to communicate something of his nature to make you like him. I want you to look at something. I want you to look at some heart choices. Everybody turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. and I want you to read it along with me. And uh, let's have a look at these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Are you there with me? Genesis chapter 4. Now, it says this. Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. And later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked in the soil. Look at verse 3, it's really important. In the course of time, when he got round to it, Cain bought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord and Abel also bought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favour on Abel's offering but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favour. So Cain became very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do, know, if you do not do what is right, then sin, I think this is the most spooky scripture, sin is crouching at your door And it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Some theologians think that Cain and Abel were twins. And they get that from the fact that it says that Cain was conceived and given birth to. And a little time later, Abel was given birth to. That they don't mention another time. Makes it quite a deal, doesn't it? To say, well, Abraham made love to, uh, excuse me, Adam made love to Eve. And uh, you do get confused with these Bible characters, don't you, sometimes. Adam made love to Eve. And he gave birth to Cain. And then it says, and then Abel came. And some people think that Cain and Abel were twins. But whatever it were, they were grown-up men and brothers who had lived together and heard what was right. Why did God accept Abel's offering and not Cain's? Cain brought his offering, and that's what the scripture says, in the process of time. It wasn't the firstborn that Abel said, you know, my firstborn, I'm giving this to God. That Cain actually said, when I get round to it, and I'll give to you, God, in my way. And have you heard this? It's between you and the Lord and nobody else. And the Lord had told them what to do, But actually, he said, well, when I get round to it, I'll give it to you, Lord. In the process of time. And actually, Lord, I'll give you what I want to give you. I'll give you the bit that I think you should have. You see, God isn't saying, Cain, I just like Abel better than you. Actually, God even went to Cain and talked to him about it. Cain got so upset that he does, I don't know whether you do this, sometimes somebody else does the right thing, you do the wrong thing, and then you start blaming them for how bad you're feeling. Have you ever done that? You just kind of think, well, oh, man. You know. In fact, the Bible says that in Proverbs 19, uh, verse 3, it says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and they get angry at the Lord. Have you ever done that? You're all out of sorts with God. You're out of sorts with other people. In fact, in my spirit now, I think this is probably for somebody, But actually you're blaming somebody else and what you need to do is just get right with God. But when we do that, don't we? And that's what Cain did. In his heart, he knew what to do. He kind of did it in his own way. He got around to it. Well, I'm giving you something, aren't I? He wasn't giving what he'd been, how he'd been instructed to give it. And then he got mad at Abel. And the, and the poor thing about this is is that once you start doing something wrong in one area, it can often go over to other areas. And that's what happened with Cain. And it became murder. And what we see about his heart is in Jude 11. It says that he had the heart... And the writer there in Jude 11 says, don't be like the way of Cain, Balaam, and Korah. And Balaam ran for profit. Korah was one who shortcutted on uh, temple worship. And that was the heart condition, this shortcutting. I'll do it my way. I don't need to do it what you say, God. It's kind of a, a rebellious attitude. And we're not talking about a thing to do here. What we're saying is offering the first runs through the whole of Scripture. Giving God your best and your first, it's a heart positioning principle. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel bought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteousness and when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith Abel still speaks to us even though he is dead. Abel had a faith heart. You see, it takes faith to give God your first. doesn't it take much faith to pay all your bills and then give God the dregs. See, actually, that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to say, give me your first bit. Give me the first bit of your time. Isn't it interesting that the New Testament church moved the day of worship and said, we worship on the first day of the week? Because God... Because the resurrection happened. And we want to be like the resurrection. We want that type of power. They position their hearts in a first type of positioning. It's not that God would not accept Cain's offering. It's that he couldn't accept Cain's offering. So I want you to think with me. God is unchangeable. You see, some of us have got a weird attitude of grace. We think grace is, oh, let me offer that God because I'm under grace. No, grace is strength and favor to help us to serve God the way we ought to. That's what grace does. And grace heals and covers our weaknesses and heals and strengthens us so that we can serve God the way we ought to. Grace isn't, well, let me just wink at that. God is unchangeable. In fact, theologically, it's the immutability of God. God is omniscient. He knows absolutely everything. God, God doesn't really think the way that we think. Have you ever thought of that? You know, it never, God has never said this. You know, it occurs to me. God's never said that. He knows things. But this is the point, you see. God is preeminent. And so because he's first, he receives the first. But if God winks at things, changes things, when it comes to your salvation, he could be accused of, oh, well, you did it back there, so why don't you do it back there? No, God's absolutely consistent the way that he deals with us. And that's why he couldn't accept Cain's offering and say, oh, I'll let you off this time. Because what he's trying to do Is communicate something of his beautiful, unchanging nature because that's how we become the best that we will ever be. And that was 2,500 years before the law. You see, I see another firstborn. I see a firstborn in the New Testament, don't you? I see a Jesus, the first fruits represented by him. Look at Colossians chapter one, verse 15. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. I see some other firstfruits. I see them in the New Testament. First Corinthians 15, verse 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of everyone who has fallen asleep. You see, God is trying to teach us be like me i give my first i give my best he's not just pushing you around you know our most famous scripture and our favorite one john 3:16 it could read like this For God so loved the world that he gave his firstborn and his firstfruits. That who should ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God has given you his best so that you can give him your first. Can somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Because God gives us his best. I say all that. Not just to say this, but I'm trying to communicate God's heart to you today. About how much, if you put him first, how much your life will come into order. And that's why I say to you today that the tithe must be first. Our giving to him, because it's the principle of the first. It represents God's nature. It represents what God's done in Jesus. It represents our heart positioning. It represents how we can live by faith. And that's why we say, let's, let's give God our first. Matthew 6, verse 30, he says, See, God, first, and all these other things, houses, cars, food, provision, will be added to you. You see, we all say that God's first in our lives, but I guess sometimes we just need to make it real in our priorities. In fact, your heart is where your treasure is. Our tithes are first heart-giving response to the Lord because it belongs to Him. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says that, and please read that later, it all belongs to Him. And so it becomes, when you give that, a provision for you. It's a provision because God says, you honor me with that, I'm going to provide with you. With good stewardship, and that I'm going to provide for you. But it also becomes a protection for you. It protects you from selfishness. How many of you are amazed at the England manager this week? I mean, you know, God bless him. You know, God bless him. I don't really mean it. I have such compassion for the man. He's earning three million pounds a year. Lord, help me to deal with this problem. I'll show you that I'll be faithful. (laughs) He's earning three million pounds a year. blows it all for just a little, well, 400,000 pounds add on. You see, what God's doing is protecting you from that type of greed that ruins you. And now don't get all sanctimonious on me. Well, Pastor Mark, I wouldn't be ruined by anything. Okay, we all need a redeemer. And there but for the grace of God, we all go. So I'm not criticizing Sam. I'm saying we need protection. If you put things positioned in your heart right, God will protect you. It'll protect your finances. It'll protect yourself. You know, we all try and add up, don't we, to uh, suit ourselves. Do you do, you do that? Paul always reminded me, Pastor Mark, did you add on the VAT? Oh, I forgot. That blessed VAT, value-added temptation it stands for. You know, some of you, you know, when you go to the supermarket you know, and you see buy one, get one free, have you ever been tempted to say, will you buy one and can I have the free one? You know, we all try and do our finances according to us. Some of you think if something's got 25% off, then you think, well, man, I'm saving money. You don't realise you've got to pay the 75%. You do realise that, don't you? Or some of you think, if I'm getting 50% off, man, it's nothing. It's virtually nothing. And if you hear 75% off, some of you are thinking, I'm making money here and not realising you're having to pay this 25%. Look, what I'm saying to you is this. It's very natural for all of us to play it safe, to hoard to ourselves. But God doesn't want the dregs of your time or your money or your affections. He wants the first. And when he does that, he breathes protection. He breathes his nature into your life. And there are other areas you have to give him to the first as well. And he does it in those. If God said to you, if you give me that first 10, I'll make your 90 go further and I'll protect you and I'll stand at your door and protect you. Some of us will still have to think about it. I wonder if we could just say to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to put God first. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. It's human nature to hoard. But I wonder if I could challenge you. Natalie, would you come and help me because I want to tell you a story and just stay with me just for a few moments. There's a, there's a man who had a prophecy and it was a prophecy that he was going to be a leader of a great nation. In fact, it was said of Abraham that his children would be like the, the sand. They would have so many children and so many children it would be like the stars that you couldn't count. And yet, in Genesis 22, you can read this. It says of Abraham that God says to him, I'm going to give you hundreds and thousands of sons, but you've got one at the moment, and I want that first one that you've ever got. Now, you have to understand, Sarah, his wife, she's a hundred. She's a hundred. I'm going to say it like this don't overreact her womb must have been like a shriveled prune she's a hundred and he is as good as dead and he says God says Abraham there's a principle here the principle of the first I want you to give me your first son And his son carries the wood up the hill and and he's stretched out. And this is what it says linguistically in the Hebrew. Abraham takes the knife. He's so committed, Sheila, to giving that first. It actually says in the Hebrew, he's on the downward stroke of the knife. It's almost like, I can't do with it. It's almost that God has to stay his hand. You know, it's quite strange as well. It's very strange to me that actually in the geography, and, it, and it's within a few miles if it's not that exact spot, thousands of years later, there's a young man on that hill as well. And he's 33 years old and he's given his best to God. And he said to God, I will only do what you tell me to do, that you've got the first place in my life. And he's prayed in a garden a few days before this time. And he said, God, I want you to be first, but this is a hard burden, but not my will, your will, you can be first. And God says, no, you've got to go to the cross for me. And so a few moments or a few days later, we see a young man on the same mountain that that Abraham offers that firstborn son and God stops him and he looks to the side. He doesn't say to Abraham, hey, I tell you what, have 10 sons and then when you've got 10, give me one. And his firstborn son, he says, give me that one. He looks to the side and caught by his horns, There's the redemption in the bush. There's a ram there saying, no, no, I'll go in his place. And the firstborn is paid for and redeemed. Thousands of years later, there's a young man on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, but I'm doing this because I'm the firstborn son. And you see, the principle of the first goes all the way through eternity he's the first and so I want to ask you today could you give your first and best to God Will you stand with me you know it's kind of funny this teaching is is because I even think if you had a thousand pounds in a hundred pound notes and you'd say well a tithe is just one of those hundred pounds it's not it's the first hundred that you earn trusting God for the other 900 that will come it's the first now hey don't get all legalistic on me if you send your tithes to the church but you happen to have paid your grocery bill first don't go oh no I'm cursed you're not what I'm trying to say to you is let's make a priority in our hearts that God comes first I want us to take communion together as a church I'm going to ask the communion stewards just to come and if you would focus with me would you place your hand on your heart and would you raise the other hand to heaven if you could just place your hand on your heart and raise the other hand to heaven and I'm just wondering if we could just say a simple prayer together and say God would you be my first would you just say that with me God I invite you to be my first you see because the first portion carries the blessing can I tell you something about me and I know uh, some of you had Christian families like I had and I brought my girls up and, and sometimes they look up to me and say Dad, why do we have to go to church all the time? and you know when we're giving our money and say Dad, why do we give money to the church? and you know your children are watching you and actually in the book of Exodus it says that there'll be a time when the children would say why do we do all this? And you just sit them down and say, once we were slaves in Egypt. And it's happened to me with Lydia and Leah, my two daughters. I've actually sat them down and said, you know me all my life as a Christian. But I want you to know that there was a time when I wasn't a Christian. There was a time when I wasn't, God wasn't first in my life but he saved me and he's changed me and the reason we run our family the way we run our family is is because God's Lord and first of our family don't for one minute think that your children aren't watching you to what you do so I want to ask you can we put God first in this church in our lives our generosity is clear Thank you. But I'm just wondering, whether with your hand on your heart and your hand towards heaven, that you could tell God just quietly, Lord, be first in my life. Would you do that right now? same night he was betrayed Jesus took bread he broke it and said this is my body broken for you and then he took out the same way he took a cup and he said this is the blood of my covenant my new agreement with you it's given for the forgiveness of sins as you take communion today I pray that it would be a somber and serious moment of you saying, as you gave me your first, I now give you my heart and reserve the first place for you. When we teach about this, we're trying to teach you from a whole stream of scripture. Let's take communion together, making God the first. Let's remain standing. We'll sing along with Natalie and worship the Lord in doing so. But let's take communion and let's reserve that first place for God.